This podcast is called The Real Story About Chronic Pelvic Pain Syndromes. The following talk is about the Wise Anderson Protocol with your host, Dr. David Wise, co-author of A Headache in the Pelvis. Dr. Wise developed the Wise Anderson Protocol with Stanford urologist, Dr. Rodney Anderson. He has been treating pelvic pain in a specialized group for over 20 years. Understanding the healing of pelvic floor pain continued. Before it resolved for me in my long experience with pelvic pain, I had no idea how to stop my pain. It was just there. I woke up with it every day. It didn't go away. Some things made it worse. Sometimes some things made it a little better, but it never went away. For years, I couldn't see a way to resolve it. When it finally did resolve, the path of its resolution became clear to me. We all understand that an intensive care unit in a hospital is a place in which patients who are dangerously ill are kept under constant observation to support their bodies becoming well enough to remain alive and healthy without the need for such intensive support. Intensive care is needed to help someone recover their health. The true purpose of an intensive care unit is to support the body's ability to become well. I want to say that again. The true purpose of an intensive care unit is to support the body's innate natural ability to become well because the circumstances of someone's life are jeopardizing and challenging the body's ability to do this. An intensive care unit is aimed at supporting the body's ability to heal so that it does not need extraordinary support to remain alive and healthy. Ultimately, intensive care leading to the recovery of someone's health supports the natural indigenous ability of the body to be healthy and alive when it is compromised. We all intuitively understand that we don't bring germs into an intensive care unit. We don't play loud music. We don't do anything to stress the person who is there. We all understand that undue physical and psychological stress will impair the person's ability to recover, will impair the body's ability to restore health. We all understand that undue physical or psychological stress in an intensive care unit is forbidden for good reason. It's touchy, the body's ability to recover under certain circumstances. And in order for the body to heal, efforts that are intense and pointed are necessary to kickstart the healing mechanism of the body to be able to support the patient's recovery to life and health. None of us would be surprised in any way if there were a sign that said quiet outside an intensive care unit or even something that required visitors to put gowns, masks, and gloves on to not bring in any potential threat to the healing of an immune-compromised person. In another example, When an injured soldier comes back from a war, none of us are surprised at the long period of time it takes for the injured soldier to recover. None of us would be surprised that the soldier would be in the sanctuary of a hospital, that the soldier would not be expected to work or do normal duties of life that normally would not stress a healthy person, but would stress someone who is recovering from serious injury or compromise of their body. When we get the flu, 
most of us know that sleep, rest, liquids are essential for our recovery. We don't go to work, often staying in the protected environment of bed and rest. What we are doing when we have a cold and take these measures in supporting our body is supporting our own natural healing mechanisms. It's not the cold medicines that we buy at the pharmacy or the cold medicines that the doctor might give us that do the trick. It's our body's amazing ability to recover and heal. And that's what we do when we protect ourselves in the way that we do when we have a bad cold or flu, for instance. In the intensive care unit, the case of an injured soldier who comes home from war, or in the case of our battle with a bad cold or flu, we may not recognize it explicitly, but we honor and support and cooperate with the healing mechanisms of the body to cure itself. In the age of modern medicine, we often forget this. We attribute all kinds of power to the drugs and healing devices that have been invented in modern times, but we forget that those are all just servants of the healing mechanism of the body. That is what the important thing I am saying here is. Whatever we do in the intensive care unit or in the hospital or for an injured soldier or for our own struggle with a bad flu or cold, without the body being able to heal itself, none of our efforts would matter. We serve the body's ability to heal in the intensive care unit, the soldier's hospital stay, or our attempts to heal ourselves from a bad flu or cold. Now, Pelvic floor pain doesn't seem like a problem that requires healing in the same way as the examples I've just discussed. I believe this is because pelvic pain is invisible. Doctors can't see it. Friends can't see it. Doctors can't find any abnormality either in the normal examination of a patient or in the standard medical tests or standard visualizing tests used in contemporary medicine. What is typically overlooked in the understanding of chronic pelvic pain is why the pelvic tissue is sore in the first place. What caused it? Why does it remain sore? It is accepted that chronic pelvic pain tissue is sore. It keeps being sore, and there isn't much understanding about that. If you pull a muscle or overdo exercise and your arm or hand or leg gets sore, you might baby it, not stress it. In other words, you would cooperate with the mechanism of your own body that would heal sore arms, necks, or back by not mobilizing it, by not stressing it, by not using it vigorously. You might not think you are cooperating with the body's capacity to heal sore, painful tissue, but in fact you are. A splint or brace or a cast for a broken bone are all efforts to help the body heal itself. Most people don't explicitly give a lot of credit to the body's ability to heal, but everyone goes to great lengths to support this ability of the body when they are injured or hurt even though they may not explicitly say, I am honoring the body's ability to heal. It is peculiar that conventional thinking of chronic pelvic pain doesn't recognize the need to support the body's ability to heal itself. 
In the Wise Anderson Protocol, we train our patients to be servants of the body's ability to heal sore and irritated pelvic tissue. After all, when the sore and irritated pelvic tissue stops being sore and irritated, pelvic pain stops existing. Pelvic pain is essentially sore, irritated pelvic tissue that hurts and that interferes with the normal functioning of urination, defecation, sexual activity, sitting, management of stress that otherwise would not affect us. What needs healing is the sore tissue that has occurred, typically because chronic tension in the muscles of this tissue, in my view, has made it sore. And this process is invisible. It can't be seen. In our protocol, we support the healing of the body and pelvic pain by essentially training our patients in three methods. Physical intervention, behavioral and mental intervention, which we call extended paradoxical relaxation. And implicitly, we offer a new viewpoint of what pelvic pain is what needs to be done for it so that we can help head off the normal catastrophizing and fear that people have about this very distressing disorder. The problem with pelvic pain healing is that for a good part of a person's day, there are things that interfere with the healing up of this tissue, namely things like urination, for some people defecation, for some people sitting, for many people and certainly anxiety, which is a huge exacerbator of this problem. And sexual activity often exacerbates the condition. When someone is anxious, the tissue does not relax. The tissue remains tight and irritated. And the catastrophizing that occurs with many people, like they're never going to get better, that no one understands, that the doctors can help and woe is me, is a huge exacerbator of the healing up of pelvic floor pain. With some people, bodybuilding, bicycle riding, and other things that stress the pelvic floor are all things that normally don't have any effect on the pelvis in a pelvis that is not disordered like it is in pelvic floor dysfunction. It can be a problem when you have pelvic floor tenderness and pain. So the healing that is required for the sore pelvic floor is typically interrupted all day in the life of a person suffering from chronic pelvic pain. Imagine somebody in the intensive care unit who is carefully monitored and supported in healing at 9 o'clock in the morning is told that he's got to go to work, get into a car, and deal with the stresses of life and then come back at 6 o'clock in the evening where he can be supported in the intensive care unit. This would be a joke. The same would be true in our attempts to support the healing of a bad flu or cold or a soldier recuperating from wounds. We wouldn't think of doing this. But in my view, this is what the pelvic pain patient is subject to. So, the two to four hours of self-treatment that we ask our patients to do, which is a huge request, involves loosening tightened tissue that needs to be loosened in order for it to heal, and then reducing the inner turmoil triggered by an aroused nervous system, continually stoked by catastrophizing and the inherent arousal of the nervous system because of chronic pain, is a minimum requirement of time 
for the healing, and this is why the healing takes so long. Because when you're doing well, you're moving ahead three steps and you're moving back two steps in dealing with all the stresses that continue to irritate the tissue during the day. If you could put someone in a quiet environment, protected from the stresses of normal life, supporting them emotionally and physically, and this is a big if, I believe pelvic pain would heal up. Because you can't see what needs healing in the pelvic floor pain patient, and because pelvic pain patients can work and function, albeit with a silent and very large cost to the patients, chronic pelvic pain remains chronic. In my view, supporting the healing of the body must be the ultimate focus of someone struggling with pelvic pain. And this is not a small matter. How do you calm down a nervous system and loosen a tightened, painful pelvic floor in a person who has no experience doing this? Doing physical therapy to loosen pelvic floor tension and irritation takes training and the right tools. Loosening the hypertonic pelvic floor has to be taught. You have to learn how to find the tissue, how to insert a device inside the pelvic floor how to remove the device. It's a challenge at first. You have to learn how to do it, but in our protocol, it is routinely done. You basically are going into a sore area and releasing it. You can't do it too hard. You can't do it too softly. And practicing relaxation and getting quiet inside is a life-changing practice that requires training and support. It's a commitment to peace. The nervous system has to get used to being quiet. And the nervous system, when it is used to being vigilant, will often rebel against being quiet, being not anxious or fearful. These are the real obstacles in my experience to quieting down the pelvic floor and helping it heal. The healing of the pelvic floor requires making the body a regular healing environment. It involves creating a healing chamber in which you regularly rest and a healing chamber that is quiet emotionally and peaceful, an environment in which you are not guarding inside continually. Doing this is a major life event, and pelvic pain is a major event in life that in the most optimistic viewpoint provides us with the opportunity to be able to find peace inside to allow what is sore and irritated to heal. I hope this is a helpful talk for you. For more information, go to our website, www.pelvicpainhelp.com. Thank you.